0: i want to dedicate this class today to the site of Yaakov Ben Moshe Dovit, whose site is today. And um, of course uh, today we started to study the last two portions of the Book of Bamidbor, uh, Matos and Masai, Um And uh, it's also, we're going to straighten out, even out together with Eretz Yisroel, in which they were always, since uh, Pesach they were one Sedra ahead of us, but this week we'll sort of catch up with them, because we're doing a double portion. They're doing just a portion of Massey, so starting from Parsha's Devotim, we'll be on the same, uh, same Parsha now. Um, so in this uh, Torah portion, this is interesting, it talks about annulment uh, of vows. Specifically, also, the Torah talks about uh, a vow that a woman has made. Uh, who has the rights uh, to annul it, and uh, there's a lot of details legally, uh, what exactly, in what situation, what kind of vows were applies, but the, the verses over here in the very beginning seem to make a very interesting distinction, and it seems to be a little bit surprising as the Rebbe brings out over here seems a little bit surprising. Um, it's distinctions like this in the time of the Torah. Um, and throughout the ages, uh, till later years. It used to be um, the order, a marriage, consisted basically of two parts. It still does, but today both parts are done at the same time. One part is called the erusin, that's called the betrothal. And the second part is called the nisuin, that's the marriage. Uh, betrothal actually means that he gives her a ring, and it was makadashur, or a ring, or whatever, or a kesef, but she becomes his wife. She cannot leave him without a divorce. She has to have a divorce from before she can marry anybody else. So she is legally and technically his wife. On the other hand, they are still not allowed to live together as husband and wife until the actual chuppah, until the actual nisui, until the actual marriage takes place. So here is the interesting halacha. The verse divides it into two parts. If you read in the Chumash, it divides it into two parts. One part is After the actual marriage, once they got married. So the husband has, as soon as he hears, he has an opportunity. He finds out that his wife has made a vow, a vow, and that vow would affect him as well. Uh, Something that she uh, uh, is going to do or not do is going to affect him as well. So the husband has a right to annul that vow, to free her of that vow, he can annul that vow. But he can only annul those vows that she made while she was married. But what about the vows that she had made earlier? Huh? A vow means uh, a, nether, a nether, a nether, a nether is a vow. So if, if he can only uh, annul the nether that she made while she was married to him. Those vows he can annul. But if she made a nether, she made a vow before she married him in her father's house, he has no rights to it and he can't annul those vows. But, at the first stage, when she's only betrothed to him, then actually he also can annul those nethers that she made even before she married him. So. It seems like he has less power once she becomes his wife. He can only annul the nether that she made then. Whereas before they're married actually fully nisuin, just a Rusin, then he can actually even annul the vows that she made back home before she was betrothed to him. Seems to be a little strange. And the answer for that is... Because, in addition to the husband or the betrothed uh, to his, uh, the mureses to him, also the father, they both have to uh, annul. It's not just up to him. Either one or both, as Rashi brings out before the Posik, they both need to annul. They both have to be mefer. They both need to take away the vow. So the reason why a can do it for before is because it takes both of them to annul it. So that's why they can even go the nether that was in his house. But after she's married, married, where the father has no longer any right, and where the husband, the father has no longer any rights because she's fully married to this person now, nesu'in. So over there doesn't have the help from the father. And that's why he cannot annul those vows that she made while she nethers that she made in the father's home. The Rebbe says an interesting thing in our service to Hashem. There's two levels. There's a level of being betrothed to God, and there's a level of being married to God. The idea when we say that we're betrothed to Hashem, that means that we're very connected to God. But it means that we're not yet fully, we're not like a wife yet to Hashem. We're betrothed, we're connected to Hashem. And we expect a, a deeper and a very meaningful relationship, but we're not there yet. That's going to happen within time, that's going to happen. At that point of that relationship, a person really has still the reliance on the Father. Which means a person at that level of service realizes that he needs God's help for success. because. He's not yet there, and he, he's afraid, and he's not confident, he's not completely uh, comfortable. So he still gets, and he turns to the Father, he turns to Hashem, he says, Hashem help me, make sure that my connection with you is strong. But after a person gets married, what does marriage represent? He's already reached the highest level, he's already married to Hashem. But in a sense, that's when we have to start to worry. Because once you're fully married, you start really feeling yourself, oh, I'm already at that level, then you might start forgetting that you have to ask for Hashem, that Hashem is still in the picture. And you might miss out and you might not have that strong connection. Basically, which it means is, when we first start out, we want to get to connecting to Hashem, maybe we're all enthusiastic and we're all into it and we're all trying hard. But once we get used to it, you know, we've reached a certain point, We consider ourselves, we're already religious, we're already good, we're doing mitzvahs, we're fine people. That could be very dangerous. At that point, we may start forgetting our father. I want to bring this also out, the same thing is true with a yurtzai, you know, for a father, literally in this case. Um, Sometimes, in the beginning, right after the passing, things are very close, you are, remember, everything is fresh, the wound is fresh, the memories are fresh, the connection is fresh. You are... So at that point, you don't have to worry about that you still stay connected with your father. You're still still there remembering all the time and you still miss it. But as time goes on, and you know, you get married to I'm not talking only literally married, but you're married to the worldly matters that you're involved with, to your job you're married, you're married to to your, uh, to your finances, you're married to your children, you're married to whatever things is, so you get taken away. So at that point, um, there is a little bit of worry that you might start forgetting about the father. The father is no longer the center in your mind and in your heart. And that's why we have a site. The site is to reconnect, that's why right, that, that once a year, that once a year is to reconnect to touch a deep cord in your, in your soul, in your DNA, in your essence, to recall the love, to recall the special place that the parent, the father, the mother, they play in your life, and to remember them, and to refresh that connection, so that it shouldn't sort of disappear as time goes on. Rejuvenate that connection, reconnect, and hopefully this is a benefit both for the soul who has departed, so that your Kaddish and good deeds, tzedakah, whatever mitzvahs you do in their memory is good for them, and they in turn bestow blessings on their offspring, on their children, and their families who are here in this world for happiness, for success, for goodness in all of their heart's desires. Good Baruch.